ladies, gentlemen, and everyone in between. Welcome back to Destiny Lore Audiophile. You join us for the third and final part of Ghost Stories, a collection of short scenes that should help shed a new light on our companions as guardians through thick and thin. As with our first two episodes in the series, the talented Starcotic will be providing introductions to each scene, and as per usual, links to the voice artist's social media will be available in the episode's description. Before we start with the episode proper, I have a few special thanks to give. Firstly, to Orchid for their attention to detail and unwavering belief in both me and in this project, to Maya Shepard, for assistance with preparation of raw audio and consultation, to all of our talented voice artists, and finally, to you, our listeners. Everyone in this project has poured their souls into this effort, and we hope that in return, we've at least made you smile. And now, without further ado, Chapter 16 Difference of Opinion Featuring the voice talents of the Sixth Coyote, Tom Hayes, and Maya Shepard. The Peregrine Institute of Higher Learning presents Ghost Stories Interviews with Two Ghosts of the Traveler, a guest lecture by two guardianless ghosts about life, light, and the search for their guardians, featuring Balthazar unpartnered, and Peach unpartnered. What is the Traveler in your understanding? Great question. Terrible question. In a sense, it's the only question. The Traveler is our primary, our mother, the primordial, and the pinnacle. A dear friend, the ghost of Pujari, once compared the Traveler to a song that has never been sung. <laughs> no one likes to give is that no one knows what the Traveler is or anything about it. Not even us. We know she wished for us to raise guardians to be her avatars and defenders. Do we though? Just because we can do that doesn't mean we were made to do that. And who says it's a she anyway? Why does it need a gender? The Traveler, in her omniscient wisdom, looked into the past and the future. And from all the generations that emerged from the cradle of Earth, she chose the best of them to be her champions. Each ghost was lovingly and carefully created for their one true guardian. The ghost and guardian complete each other. If that's true... Then the Traveler's kind of a jerk. Excuse me? Look, I know tons of ghosts who died before they ever found their guardians. I know some ghosts who still haven't found a guardian. You haven't, and I haven't. But I don't think I'm incomplete because of it. I have the humility to recognize my own shortcomings and to submit myself to the Traveler's plan. Do you remember being inside the Traveler? No. I do. We call it... I have never and will never call it that. Imagine a cosmos inside a bottle. Trillions of stars orbiting each other in a complex weave. But they aren't stars. Perhaps a better word would be souls. 
souls dancing in an infinite space, enclosed within a celestial egg. What is it, an egg or a worm? It's called a metaphor. It's a thick metaphor, not twelve. Well, what would you call it? I wouldn't call it anything, because I don't remember it. And I don't think you do either. Some people say that each ghost is an aspect of the traveler. That is to say that each ghost represents a part of the divine whole. <laughs> Would you please? This is unbecoming. First of all, that wasn't a question. Second of all... <laughs> third of all, if I'm a part of the traveler's brain or soul or whatever... The traveler sure isn't divine, I'll tell you that much. What will you do if you never find a guardian? I shall find a guardian. The traveler has willed it so. Did you get that in writing? It is true that some ghosts die before finding their partners. If that happens to me, then I suppose I will do nothing, since I will no longer be. But I have faith. If I never find my guardian, I'll go steal someone else's. I hear Sagira had a good time with that. If you could eat, what would you eat first? Finally, a good question. We do not know the desire for food. Our semi-corporeal form. Nectarines. Or hot sauce. Ooh, or crickets. Crunchy roasted crickets. Crunchy food sounds so fun. I wish I could get cricket carapace stuck between my teeth. Here's a question for you. What's it like to have teeth? Is this over yet? Chapter 17 Protector of Ghosts Featuring the voice talents of Sapphire Sunset From Micah 10 to Tallulah Fairwind Category 5 Set Bounce Priority 3 Hello, old friend. I have a knack for finding hunters. Another of my little pack has found her partner, a human male, and now the two of them are coming to you by watercraft over the Pacific. Keep an eye on this one, Talu. He has taken the name Andalbrask, and I believe he will be trouble. Perhaps all this travel has made me sentimental, for when one of my ghost wards finds their guardian, I'm sad because my pack grows smaller. I miss them when they're gone. Now I'm down to one ghost other than my own. Pup, we call him. The runt of my metallic litter. Pup has yet to speak, but always his little blue eye searches for his guardian. I plan to resupply the Cosmodrome and then take Pup north. Those steps are uncharted territory, except by that lone wolf, Connor. My correspondence with him is regular in the outbound direction. I consider myself lucky when he answers every... Fifth message? Still, you and I both know his intel is good. No one else knows old Russia like he does. Perhaps in the Cosmodrome, I will find a ship capable of breaking atmosphere. Though there is much of this Earth I have yet to see, I have come across more than a few ghosts who believe their guardians are off-world, waiting in the Golden Age ruins of Freehold and Ishtar and beyond. Some of these little lights have decided to brave the Null all on their own to reach their fated partners. I tell them there's still so much of Earth we've yet to sniff out, that perhaps their guardians have not yet been born, but some of them are convinced. If my next ghost pack wants to make the journey, I am determined to join them. 
These last few months we've enjoyed the pleasant absence of Cyril. Now I feel more confident that we lost him in Australis. If he tries to hurt my ghosts, I will rip his throat out. <laughs> I hope you're not feeling too cooped up. You're still doing good work, Talu, and as they say, better you than me. Your faithful den mother of ghosts, Micah 10. Chapter 18 7 Featuring the voice talents of Will Haley and Andrew Stroman I am searching. I am close. I can feel that I am close. What will my risen be like? Will she be honorable? Will she be a brute? I should be able to tell, shouldn't I? I don't know. I don't know that it matters. I have been searching since the day that I was born. It will take anyone. I crest a doom. The goby is endless in the evening light. And then I see it. A burnt-out building. The only man-made structure for miles. I do not know whether to fly faster or to keep a stately pace. It doesn't matter. The dead cannot see. I am nervous. Why am I nervous? As I draw closer, I rehearse what I might say. First introductions are important. You are a child of the Traveler's Light, I say to myself. You have been chosen in defense of this solar system. No. No, you. We. We are both children of the Traveler. You and I are both children of... I forget my words as I slip into the building. I find meteorological equipment. I find an empty office. I find... A dingy break room. At the back of the break room, I see my other half. A fallen vandal, crushed beneath a toppled refrigerator. I am devastated. I have seen the fallen. They are butchers. Castaway murderers. I would take anyone. Not this. Not this thing. I turn away. I count seventeen slow laps around the room, and then another four around the building. I should be decisive, shouldn't I? I should be filled with pride that I have fulfilled my first purpose. I'm not. <sighs> it doesn't matter. I cannot ignore that pull. I return to the break room. I do not know what I will say. But fallen or no, it is the Traveler's will that I do this. I reach toward the lights, reach toward that pole, to join them together. The refrigerator trembles as the light suffuses him. I hear a low groan. Push it away. If my risen dies beneath this refrigerator and I fly away into the sun, no 
one will know. Perhaps I will have done this earth a great service. I'm here with you, but you must help yourself. Push it away and sit up. The refrigerator shifts and topples to the side. An awoken man sits up and pushes the dead vandal off of his chest like an unwelcome blanket on a hot summer night. With effort, he wiggles free and stands straight. Who are you? What am I? I am your ghost. You are one of the travelers chosen, a defender of humanity. What is your name? Savin. Yes, I think I call myself Savin. Let's go, your ghost. Chapter 19. Pulled Pork. Featuring the voice talents of Starcotic, Bad Irish Luck, Jazriel B., and Lee Roberts. Enkichi 32 lies on the hull of her ship, skimming through gossip and salvage requisition lists on VanNet. Agu nestles in the magnificent feather ruff of her chestplate and looks out at the debris of the reef. Vast crucible rules are garbage. Blah, blah, blah. How does this have, like, 300 comments? Where's the juicy stuff? Hey, it's pulled pork. Really? Where? Pulled Pork is the name they've given to a very sweet, very earnest ghost that has been looking for his guardian for about as long as they can remember. Pulled Pork is not his real name, but it feels right, like calling Marasov by her full name instead of just her forename. Agu directs Nikichi's attention out into the floating scrap. Sure enough, there he is, a tiny speck moving with meticulous patience across the surface of a blasted-out fallen skiff. Let's go say hi. Enkichi disables her vendant hood, climbs to her feet, and begins a lazy zero-gravity parkour run, leaping and drifting from one hook of scrap to another. Hey, buddy. What you doing? Cold Pork finishes up a scan of floating piece of concrete and rebar, then turns towards them. I am looking for my guardian. That's nice. You gonna find him in that rock? You never know, Miss Nikechi32. Maybe my guardian is very small. Maybe. But you might want to consider scanning the dead, bud. That shell's pretty snappy. Is it new? It's reef purple, with a flower-like silhouette and silver detailing. Yes, it is. It was a gift. And thank you for your suggestion. I have considered it. I do often scan the dead. I also scan other things. I like to be thorough. Please, excuse me one moment. The little ghost turns to scan a piece of work plasteel, and Kichi shakes her head. Oh, leave him alone. If he goes through every bit of scrap in the reef, he'll find someone eventually. Sky knows there are plenty of bodies and body parts floating around here. Yeah? And we said that when we found him on Mars, and that was before Twilight Gap. Well, with that in mind, let's check back on him in a couple months. 
Who knows? Maybe he'll get lucky and find the greatest guardian of all time. Shoot. You found the greatest guardian of all time. Chapter 20 Who Guards the Guardians? Featuring the voice talents of Strigoi. All around me, the bitter patter of desperate steps. The thump thump of armor piercing micro rockets. The cries and screams that fill the air. I feel nothing. I am filled with nothing. Just frozen, empty, soulless, lightless. The Red Legion has come and taken it all away. Eventually, the desperate steps diminish. For a few minutes, the last city falls silent. Then, the low growl of their breathing. The clanking metal of heavy slug throwers against their crimson armor. The tremors of their heavy booted steps as they draw near. Mortals ask themselves the same question all the time. That question about meaning. About their place in this universe. But we don't. Perhaps at first, as we tried to make sense of the day the Traveler pushed us free from itself. But no, not anymore. We know our purpose. Why we're here. In ancient times, humanity dreamed of gods and heavens and winged protectors that watched over them. Kept them safe from uncontrollable and unpredictable harm. In this age, I believe humanity sees that in the Guardians. Yet when the Guardians meet with trouble, who guards the Guardians? They're close now. If they think I'm not going to stay by my Guardian's side to my own bitter end, even though she's already met hers, they're deathly mistaken. I am meant to do this. My light will return. She needs me. Those heavy red-booted steps come around the corner. I will not move. We're face to face. I will not abandon her. They raise their weapons. I will not let my purpose go unfulfilled. A rush of light. Can it be? Yes. The light. <laughs> I can bring it back. I can bring Chapter 21 Whether Windmills or Cranes Featuring the voice talents of Short Circuit We set out to challenge the unknown, he'd say. His quest was to become legend, to slay beasts 
and conquer terrible lands. His quest was honourable, though in the end misguided. No, not in the end. Much sooner. The flaw in his ambition became evident shortly after we crossed the Western Mire. At first, I took his flights of fancy as playful enthusiasm, frivolous aggression free of consequence, a means of honing his focus and skill in advance of the dangers to come. But quickly, oh so quickly, I found his mind was not in tune with reality. He was driven, pulled, by his imagination. Where any other would see the crippled ruins of an old world crane, the snapped length of its long arm creaking in the breeze, he would see a demon, and in the cutting shrill of the swaying metal's cry, he would hear a monster's ravenous shriek. He had long talked of the adventures of his life past. I am an anomaly, he would decree, the lone guardian whose past rings true, whose history is his guide. He spoke about that dead life with such passion, in such detail. I not only wanted to believe, I did. But as he charged the crane's age-poked carcass, I knew a truth that had haunted me since the carving of the wicked wood some months gone. He was broken, his mind unsettled, his truths (laughs) unfettered by fact, unbound by reality. He had named the wood as he had the howling hills the dead man's crevasse, the gorgon's maze. All mundane landscapes marked as hazards to be conquered, enemies to be slain as he weaved a mythic tale of his own grand and, as I would find, delusional design. In the hills, he slaughtered wolves. He called them hounds of hell, In the crevasse, he burned the remains of long-dead survivors. He called them foot soldiers of the Necro King. Down in the maze, he covered his tracks so that the Stone Mother would not, could not follow. He did all those things, and none, because none of those things were true outside of his fraying mind. The wolves were simply rabid, the bones no threat beyond a reminder of all we'd lost. The maze, just a canyon, one way in, one way out, a straight shot through. As the crane fell and my guardian issued his killing blow, he laughed and then turned to me. His eyes, I could see he was gone the one I'd returned all those cycles past, replaced by a hollow shell filled with madness 
I do not know what broke him, or if he had ever been whole to begin with. But in that moment, as he spoke, the conquered husk of the dragon of Summer's End, which wasn't really a dragon but simply a fragile old crane lying defeated in his wake, I knew I would have to let him go to end his slide into uncontrolled folly. Panzer, old man, he started. The dragon is gone, but he yielded his treasure to me in a whisper. A secret so dire it may just save us all. He leaned closer and said in a hushed voice, as if sharing a confidence, The Traveller is no gift. It is a lie, a beacon for death and destruction. Within be dragons, nurtured by our suffering, weaned on our hope. All dragons must die. The shell must be cracked till its yoke drowns those who worship its deceit. Our last great conquest, the crowning battle of our legend writ large. And then he shouted, For light to endure, the traveller must perish! He was smiling, confident, manic. Two days later, he took a fall while challenging the mountain troll of Gallows Rock. It was a boulder. There was no troll. It crushed him. And though it caused me great pain still to this day, I did not return him. How could I? His diseased imagination would surely doom us all. lamenting the unfortunate necessity of leaving his guardian to remain unreturned. Chapter 22 Batteries Not Included Featuring the voice talents of Hypersyntax of the video game Crosstalk YouTube channel. What follows are simple things. Use each as needed. Use each as you will. These are not your strength, but they may bolster your might when the weight of expectation falls down upon thee. When the wars rage around you, find your peace. The light is not of you and you are not of the light, and yet you are one. Give of yourself, and you will find all that you fear is missing. You are a hammer. You are a shield. Know the difference. Know yourself. Trust is a weapon. 
handle with care. The burden is not yours alone, no matter the burden. Should darkness call, answer true, and it will shrink from the light. Wear your confidence with pride, but know it is a tool, not a weapon. Be mindful of the joy found in victory. It is earned, but should never be the aim. For all you will see, all you will discover, never lose the gift of curiosity. The darkness would bend you to its will, but the light bends to yours. Failure is an opportunity to learn. If the bones talk, do not listen. I am your guide and your friend, your ally and your tool. Use me. I will never leave you, but should I fall, remain vigilant, remain true. This isn't the whole of my life advice, but it's something. We'll add more as we go along. And unknown ghost's life advice for an unknown guardian. Chapter 23 To Map the Unknown Featuring the voice talents of Rindal Zevas and Elimist. His neck snaps. He's dead on impact. I get him up and ask him how he feels. Fine. I ask him how it felt. Can't remember. I ask him if he'd learned anything. No. Let's go again. Same drop. Same distance. For the fifth time today, from this drop, this go, his trajectory is less headfirst, more parallel. On purpose, I think. Varying the instance for a broader range within the experiment. He hits almost flat. The sound is squishy. Wet. Death is instant. I get him up, ask the same questions, get the same answers. We've tried it all. The sudden deaths. Live fire through every type of round and range imaginable. The gradual. Asphyxiation from force. Liquid. Vacuum. The biological. Superbugs. Hazardous materials. Radiation. We varied the duration of dying from immediate to over the course of years. Multiple years. Time squandered on a quest for discovery that could have been better spent anywhere else. I wasn't always skeptical. There's an old saying about learning from your mistakes or when to quit or something like that. 
I don't know. But I do know futility when I see it. We've tried it all. Nothing was learned. Others say differently. Others claim to have journeyed on the other side of death. Where's your proof, I say. Death isn't the answer when life is right here, staring you in the face. I say a lot of things. But here we are. My guardian is soup at the base of the cliff, two times the height of the tower. And when I get him up, he is going to say some variation of, I'm fine, don't know, let's do it again. And we will. Because mapping the unknown means the answers you don't have could be the answers hiding on the other side of one more try. Try.